Okay, girl on purpose. You were created on purpose, for a purpose, to live on purpose. I can't say that enough because I need to hear it every single day. Because the world will tell you that you're a mistake. The world will tell you that you are defective. The world will tell you that you're not good enough. The world will tell you all of those things. But see, my God says that you were created on purpose for a purpose. So we can choose to live on purpose. Ephesians 2.10 tells us this so clearly. For we are God's handiwork. Some of you knit. I knit. I love to knit. I'm not good at knitting, but I do it. Crocheting. You sew. You paint. You cook. We're proud of what we create. It's our handiwork. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for a purpose, the scripture tells us, to do good works. Works that were important enough that God prepared them for us to do in advance. We all know it's important if we do it in advance, right? I mean, when some of you get that Thanksgiving dinner going next week, all day Wednesday, getting that turkey thawed. Some of my friends get up at 2 in the morning, and they're just basting. I don't even understand what basting is. But they do it. They say it takes a long time. You prepare important things in advance. And God has prepared in advance good works for each of us to do. See, we are not just created to have a nice life. We are not created to even be happy with just a nice life. We are created for so much more. We are created to do his work, to do good works. And ladies, there are huge gaps in our society. I don't have to tell you that. You can look around and just see them. The world is crying out for us to live on purpose every single day. Margaret Mead said, don't ever be deceived that a few people who are caring can't change the world. Because indeed, that is the only thing that ever has. See, the world doesn't just change on its own. It's when we choose to take responsibility for the gaps that we see and to lean into them. We're called to stand in the gap. We're called to create. We're called to cultivate and to see God use us. There's a quote that I read this last week by a Holocaust survivor that honestly pierced my soul. It said, evil does not need your help, just your indifference. Evil does not need your help, just your indifference. But see, in my experience, God will often call us into gaps where we feel pretty insufficient, <sighs> where we feel incapable, outside of our comfort zone, like Latoya was saying, outside of our known, outside of what feels safe, like Lindsay was saying. God will call us to stand in gaps that we don't feel prepared for. 
And then we have this choice. Will we live on purpose and move forward into what God has for us or not? See, it's not a feeling of whether you're living on purpose. We can look at our lives and see whether we're living on purpose. Are we moving forward into the gap or are we not? And, you know, sometimes we can talk a lot about disobedience, right? Like, I'm just not being obedient to do what I feel like I'm called to do or to lean into the gap. But I think that there are a lot of other things that are a lot more subtle than disobedience that keep us off our purpose. And the first thing I think keeps us off of our purpose is apology. Let me say, Destiny, apologies are good things. Yes, they are. The Bible says that we should be quick to repent. Um, I, I don't know about you. I have a lot to repent of on a regular basis. <laughs> but in our family, we say I'm sorry a lot. And I hope in your family you say I'm sorry a lot too because you're messed up like I am and I know you make mistakes. Like, oh, how does she know? Because you're, I mean, you're human, right? And, and when, we are, when we're reluctant to say I'm sorry, we really miss an opportunity for us to be humble and grow and all of those things. So I'm not talking about that kind of apology. Please do not go home and tell your family that Destiny said to stop apologizing. I want no angry calls, okay? But apologies can keep us, the wrong kind of apologies, can keep us from moving forward when we begin to apologize for who we are and for what we've been through and for who we're not. Because when we start apologizing for that, it can become an excuse that keeps us from moving forward. Let's look at some examples in the Bible. We have Gideon. Gideon in the Old Testament. The Israelites are being oppressed. God's people, they're being oppressed by invaders. They've been driven into the hills. And there is this man, Gideon, and an angel shows up to Gideon and says, Hey, Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. You're going to be the one that I use to help the Israelites to get free of this oppression. You're going to teach them how to fight again. You're going to teach them to believe in me again. It's going to be awesome. And Gideon immediately apologizes. He says, um, I'm sorry. I'm from the wrong family. Does that sound familiar? I, I'm sorry. I come from the wrong tribe. I, I'm sorry. I come from the wrong background. You must be talking to someone else. And in fact, he makes this apology so much into an excuse. He doesn't just say, I'm sorry that I'm from the wrong tribe. He says, I'm sorry that, you know, you got it wrong. I'm not doing that. That God has to show up and do supernatural acts to convince him that he can actually be who God has told him that he could be. His apology turned into an excuse. Moses children of Israel, in slavery, in Egypt. God appears to Moses in a burning bush. And he says, hey, Moses, you're going to be the deliverer. There's a big problem. People are in slavery. I want you to attack the problem. And do you know what Moses says? He says, I stutter. 
you didn't speak well. He says, I stutter. You have to excuse me from this duty. You must not know about my disability. You must not know about my capability. And he begins to apologize for something that he sees as a deficiency, but he doesn't just apologize. He uses it as an excuse. And God has to send someone else with him to speak for him. But then we see Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Once again, the children of Israel are oppressed. They've been invaded by the Romans. They're in a difficult situation. But even more importantly, the entire world is dark. Spiritual darkness. No ability to break through. We are crying out through the ages for a savior, for someone who can take the sin that we can't bear. And an angel shows up to a teenage girl and says, hey, Mary, you're blessed, and you're going to have a baby, and that baby is going to be the savior of the world. And I love what Mary does because she doesn't apologize. Now, she points out, excuse me, I'm a virgin. Just want to make sure everybody knows. <laughs> but she doesn't apologize. And the angel says, hey, Mary, it's going to be okay. I know about that. We're good. And Mary says immediately in her first conversation with the angel, in fact, in her only conversation with the angel, she says, let it be done to me exactly as you said. See, Mary had every reason to make an apology. I'm not from the right family. This isn't the right time. I'm engaged. I'm busy. I've got stuff going on. You really need to pick somebody else. Maybe somebody older. Maybe somebody more experienced. Maybe somebody who has experience with this whole bearing a Savior thing. I don't know, but not me. She had every reason to make an apology that would turn into her excuse, but she chose not to. Instead, she just took God at his word, and she chose to move forward. And this is the thing, ladies, especially in the South, those of us who've grown up here, is we are taught culturally to constantly apologize for who we are. Constantly. And it may look really great, and it may look like fake humility, but when you start apologizing for what God has called you to do and who God has called you to be and what you are not qualified for, and it will turn into your excuse every single time. I love the ladies in our community who have chosen not to apologize and not to make excuses. We have this one lady who has a million children. No, really. She has six kids, but it, it's, it, she has so many children. I'm from a family of six, so I can say that, right? But she has six kids, and, and, and you know, it would be easy for her to apologize and say, you know what, I'm so sorry, but I just have so many children. And to allow this to become her excuse. 
say, say, I can't serve. I've got a newborn. I've got six kids, and one of them is a newborn. The other one is a very clingy toddler. Like, I, I can't. I'm sorry, but I have an excuse. What I love is that she shows up more than I do. She's here every time the doors are open. And you know what? She drags all of her children with her. 10 o'clock after Halloween, she's got six kids just cleaning up the church. I'm like, what is life? But see, she knows who she's called to be. And she hasn't allowed her situation. She doesn't apologize for it. And she doesn't allow it to become an excuse. You know, some of you, you don't have a whole lot of experience. It's okay. No one has experience until they do it. No one knows what they're doing until it's done. No one understands until they walk through it. Don't apologize for what you don't have and allow it to become an excuse not to walk into the next season that God has for you. Sorry, I'm really shy. Guess what? You choose who you are. You can choose to be what you need to be in this season. You don't have to allow this thing that has become a label on your life to hold you back from who you want to be. My husband is so much of an introvert, you don't even understand. Naturally, he would not talk to any of you. He wouldn't even talk to me if he had a choice. But you know what? He's not allowed that to become an excuse to keep him from walking into what God had for him. He said, you know what? That's an obstacle. I'm not going to just apologize for that and then allow for it to become an excuse that stands in my way. Instead, I'm going to say, God, I don't understand how this is going to work. You know how I feel on the inside, but I'm going to allow you to change me and make me into what I need to be for this season. There's so many excuses, right? Sorry, I'm too busy. Sorry, I'm, I'm a little bit of a strong woman. So, fruit of the Spirit works on strong women too. Sorry, I'm a little different. Good, because we don't need any more of the same. Don't allow your apology to become your excuse. And this is the truth, is that every time we apologize for who we are and what we don't have, it will become an excuse unless we allow God to help us to walk right through it. Amen? So we have to move past our apologies, past our excuses, into taking action. And these are our three action questions. Are you ready? I encourage you to write these down. One, what did God say? What did God say? See, that's what all of the songs that we've been singing tonight have been about. That's what all of the women have been talking about, is what did God say about you? So we hear it, and we read it, but then you know what we need to do? We need to say it. We need to declare it over our lives, and then walk out there and do it. There is a power in declaration. Especially if you're walking into a new season where you're really, really nervous. There is a power in saying out loud over yourself what God has already said about you. At the end of this service, we're going to say actually together for the first time our GP declaration. I'm so excited about it. I love declarations. I think they're awesome. And this is what it says, okay? God, this is your day. I'm your girl. 
Let's go for it. I'm brave. I'm beautiful. I'm blessed. I'm strong. I'm fast. I'm built to last. My identity is secure. My calling is great. With you, I will conquer every challenge I face. I love big. I lean in. I never give up. I am a girl on purpose. No apologies, no excuses. I am made on purpose for a purpose. So today, I choose to live on purpose. But that's not just something I made up with the help of lots of people. That's not something that I just put on paper. This is what God says about you. See, he says, be strong and courageous. That means that you are stronger than anything that you're going to face because he is in you and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm fast because I'm fast to forgive. I'm fast to come back to the table. I'm fast to repent. I'm fast to lean into the gap. That's who I choose to be. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says to be quick to forgive, quick to repent. I'm brave. Man, I am brave. Do you ever not feel brave? But you know what God says about you? He says that you're brave. He says that you're brave enough to face everything in your life, to face down every everything that you could possibly face. See, I have to listen to God's words and then say them over my life. And then I go out and I do them every single day. The second question is this, what needs to be done? So first, what did God say? I gotta get that settled. What did God say? And second, what needs to be done? So we have to see the needs around us through God's eyes. We have to see the gaps around us through God's eyes. See, when Gideon only saw his deficiency, he missed seeing the need. He missed looking around and seeing the need through God's eyes. See, God was not worried about the people who were oppressing Israel. God was looking for someone to help him teach the Israelites how to fight again. Moses, when he was worried about his stuttering, he missed the point. See, God was looking for someone to help him deliver people out of slavery. That was the need. There were people in slavery. And Mary, man, look at the need she faced. The world needs a savior. Can I tell you that today our world still needs people who can teach us how to fight for what is right Our world still needs people who can help lead those who are in slavery out of bondage and out of addiction and out of difficulty. And today, our world still needs to know that there is a Savior that can combat hopelessness and that can give purpose to every single life. Those are the needs that we still face. But sometimes they look a little bit different. Sometimes they look like foster care. Sometimes they look like homelessness. Sometimes they look like the sex industry. Sometimes they look like poverty. Sometimes they look like the need for jobs or failing schools. And when we see the needs around us with the eyes of Jesus, understanding what he's already said about us, what he's already said about the fight, then we can do the next thing. 
And that's just ask him, okay, Lord, what's my next step? What's the next step? See, I know that you created me to do good works and that you've prepared these works in advance for me to do. And now I see a need. And I know that you're greater than anything I could ever face. So, Lord, what is the next step. And believe me, when you start to take that next step, whether it's opening a business or taking a class or mentoring a foster child or or helping out, teaching a class it purchased or whatever it is or showing up tonight at the ER in LSU and serving coffee and loving on people, when you take that next step, let me just tell you, you got to be ready. You should expect opposition. I can imagine that when Lindsay said, I'm going to open a vegan restaurant in Louisiana, people were like, oh, that's a bad idea. <laughs> like, let me give you 48 other ideas that would be better than that one. Because that's, a but she just took the next step. So you don't have to have all the steps. Sometimes we want to know all the way from now till forever. What am I going to do with my life? Nothing. What are you going to do tomorrow? That's the only question that you can answer. What is the next step? Expect opposition. Expect discomfort. Discomfort and stretching is not God telling you that you went the wrong direction. It is God molding you in what, into what you need to be for the next step. So many times we take that next step. And it's uncomfortable, and we go, oh, this obviously isn't what God had for me. We step right back in our comfort zone and go, yes, yes, I feel the peace. I feel the peace. See, God wants us to take that next step and find the peace. Find the peace in the midst of the storm. Find the peace in the midst of the stretch. Find the peace in the midst of the discomfort. And you know what's funny is that when we do that, that next step will become our comfort zone. And he'll call us again and again and again and again to take one more step, to step into one more gap, to lean into one more thing, because that's what he does. We need to expect opposition. We need to expect discomfort. But we also need to expect victory. We need to expect victory because he is who he says he is, because he can do what he says he can do. I'm going to ask the piano player to come out and make this next part sound really good. You aren't one thing. Some of us, we get so captured by one part of our identity that we allow it to trap us. I'm, I'm just not that kind of person. Well, I, I really can't help out because, you know, like, really, I'm just, you aren't just one thing. Every season demands that we lean in, that we grow, that we become in a different way. Every season, every season demands that we put away apologies, that we jump over excuses. You know, one of the people in the Bible that I love, one of the characters in the Bible is the Apostle Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. The New Testament, of course, is the Christian Bible. He wrote most of the New Testament. That's pretty influential. And the Apostle Paul, he actually had a lot, 
of apologies that could have become excuses. See, he killed Christians before he became a Christian. I'm sorry, God, you can't call me to do that. I can't write most of the New Testament because I murdered your people. That actually sounds pretty reasonable to me. And yet, what's so interesting is that Paul does not apologize and allow it to become an excuse. Well, I'm sure he apologized for what he had done many, many times. But he didn't stand there and go, you know what, God, I'm sorry I'm disqualified. I know you called me, but see, you made a mistake. Because there's this thing in my background that says not me. Now we read in Ephesians 3, 7, how Paul felt about that. He said this. He said, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. And he goes on and he lays out this incredible purpose. Paul, how dare you? Don't you know who you are? Who do you think you are saying that God could give you grace to do something that big? Who do you think you are? Well, he says it clearly. I'm the least of all the Lord's people. But I know something. This grace, this calling, this moment, this good work, it was given to me. And I'm not going to allow who I was to get in the way of what God wants to do through me. And I'm so grateful, aren't you? I'm so grateful that Paul did not allow his apology, and it was a legitimate apology, to become his excuse. So grateful that he didn't sit here and go, well, I'm so sorry that God chose me. I'm so sorry that he picked me because, you know, I mean, I just really, I, I shouldn't be the one he picked, and I don't know what God was thinking. He doesn't say that at all. He says, I know who I am. Like you, I'm the least of all God's people. Like you, I'm a sinner because we have all sinned and gone astray. Every single one of us, like you. But this grace has been given to me. Ladies, a grace has been given to you in this season for a purpose, and the world needs it. But if you live in the world of apologies and excuses, you won't end up with the good works that God prepared for you in advance. Instead, you will end up living a life of regret and resentment. So many of us, we struggle with those things, don't we? 
And we think that it's just about us feeling better about ourselves. Can I tell you my secret? It's not about just feeling better about yourself. It's about stepping over yourself and into the grace that God's called you to walk in and to start doing what he's called you to do. I don't have the whole plan. Okay, good. No one does. The people who look like they know what they're doing, they don't. I know, I talk to them. Everybody just has the next step. Will we take that next step? Can you stand with me?